Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear dog, cause of course, I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Trevor Chu here on 3 Triple RFM. A huge good afternoon to you all. Lovely. Um, a big thanks to the scientists. My God, they do a good job, do they not? I have Kent Goldsworthy here. It's just a joy to see you, my friend. Oh, not half as much a joy oh, as I'm having. Stop it. Cam. <laughs> no, really, really, really. Um, and um, and we are going to be having uh, a little chat towards the end of the show. Uh, we might actually work backwards uh, with what's going on. We're going to talk about something that uh, the literal translation, of course, is as you like it. And uh, the thing we're going to be talking about is something that should, we think, we feel together, mm-hmm. um, should be more part of uh, an Aussie household. And we're talking about okonomiyaki. Yes, looking forward to that. Did I say so that with the right emphasis? <laughs> Putting the emphasis on the next syllable. Yeah. Um, okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki, yeah. As you like it. Um, I thought we'd uh, go on your expertise because you spent some time in Japan. Yeah. And um, this is something I reckon that if you get this right, is one of the most delicious things. It, you know, we talk about umami bombs mm-hmm. and glutamate bombs. It is one of those things. So, Not an everyday food, though. No, <laughs> no. Although it's, it's not, you're not frying it in that much oil, so it's not really no, that bad. No, they're food. quite they're quite heavy. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. Right. Anyway, okonomiyaki coming up towards the end. Uh, we've got John of the Queen Victoria Market. We haven't caught up with him for a while. The seasons are changing. 
they really feel like they've uh, the switch has been thrown and we've moved from an autumnal time to the coolness, the stillness of early winter here in Melbourne and I think a lot of the produce reflects that fact and we we sort of uh, ruminate over that while John, of course, says, I've got something, I'm going to pick a bone with you. <laughs> it gives you a hard time. So, yeah, look out for that. Um, that is happening. Uh, we also going to want to talk about uh, a product. We're revisiting something that we spoke about, I think we spoke about maybe possibly about a year ago now, um, and it is the, uh, the first really truly disposable, actually edible, if you want to, uh, edible uh, coffee cup, um, something that uh, will um, will not linger forever. Um, it will surrender itself to the environment, or you can just eat it yourself. In fact, uh, we've got some that are uh, chocolate dip, the good Eddie cup, um, and it says, "There we go." It's like uh, um, uh, Alice through the looking in Wonderland. Eat me. It says, um, and we're going to catch up with um, with the founders uh, of that. Excuse me, Catherine and uh, Anio, uh, who are here in the studio, which is uh, is kind of exciting. But before we get on to that, a commemoration must be made, an acknowledgement uh, must be made of. Uh, well, there's a, there's a great LCD sound system song. And I bet you didn't think I was going to be quoting LCD sound system. Where are you going with this, Cam? Where are you going with this, Cam? It's a good question, thank you. But uh, one of the great songs that he did, and it's funny when dance music maps the human condition so mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? And I'm, I'm, I'm being quite I'm being straight about it with this. Um, when Someone Great Is Gone. Mm-hmm. You know the song I'm in? No. Okay, well, I must play it to you one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I would just like to acknowledge and also commemorate the passing last year. And we were together for this, were we, we were, not? We were, Cam, we were. And I speak of Vernon Chalker. Yeah. Uh, Vernon Chalker, the man who changed the way we drink in this town, the man who um, brought the idea of a beautiful bar uh, selling great hooch, great booze, um, with fabulous service, and uh, also a place where, well, let's face it, you could play up. Gin Palace. Gin Palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vernon. So, yeah, he passed away this time last year, and I remember it was in the middle of COVID, so it was in the time when um, funerals were restricted. Yeah, and that added a real layer, didn't it? It did, it did. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a strange sort of way, um, this community radio station stepped up and um, pretty much did a funeral for him on air. We did. Well, you did. You were wonderful. Oh, stop I it. thought you handled it. Oh, thank a, you. With a plum and. Well, the only thing we, we agreed at the end of it that Vernon would have said, you only spent half an hour on me. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth did you not have the full hour? So, anyway, if you're near some booze, if you've happened to just. Uh, Shake a martini for uh, for your luncheon. Um, even if you have a cup of tea, raise your glass and uh, remember someone who changed how this town drinks for the better. Vernon Chalker, Vale, Vernon. Twelve oh seven here on Three Triple R. Triple R. 
Well, 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 Catherine and Anio, it's uh, it's lovely to meet you uh, in person. Last time we were speaking, we were speaking uh, on the phone, and uh, you were telling us about a, a tremendous idea that you had that was about to come into the markets, and we're talking about a disposable, edible coffee cup. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Great, thank you. Thank you. That's for the way. Us. Now come nice and close to those microphones so that we can we can hear you properly. Um, first of all, so how long is this uh, this cup? Uh, it's called the Good Eddie. Eddie, Good Eddie. There okay, we go. So there's a Good Eddie cup. Um, first of all, folks, if you want to play along, uh, you can type in Good Eddie, Good Eddie.com. Um, congratulations on your website. It's very very sexy looking. It's looking mm. looking good. Um, and first of all, how long has this been in market now? So we started our production um, June last year. So it's mm. about getting to a year that we have the product in the market. Yep. And um, describe what we've got in front of us here. So uh, it's a takeaway cup that you can eat. Yes. And uh, that means that after you finish your drink, whether it's a coffee, a smoothie, or even a scoop of gelato, yes. uh, you can eat your cup. It's great for an affogato. Yeah, absolutely wonderful for an affogato. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, how did, I don't, can't remember when we were speaking. Maybe I, I didn't um, cover it well enough. How did you guys meet and what was the, the inspiration or the genesis behind the project? So both of us, we have been in food processing and packaging for many years, yeah, and right. uh, we really wanted to do something that has a great impact. And both of us, we love coffee. And one day we said, how about we focus on the problem of disposable coffee cups? It's a big problem. Absolutely. Huge. And it's a huge problem in Australia and around the world. We, talk, we looked at the numbers, and we found all the alternatives in the markets. They are not really eco-friendly. And we wanted to create something that is waste-free. Yeah. And the only thing that is waste-free is something that you can eat. Yeah, yeah. How are some of them not quite what they say they are? Those that they say they are biodegradable or compostable, basically the infrastructure is not available for them. And some of them, they are mm. actually doing a lot of greenwashing. Uh, when we are looking at the uh, reusable cups, the uptake has been very, very slow. So many people, because of the convenience, they are not using it. So we wanted to create something that is very easy to use and is truly sustainable. And there you go. We have a edible coffee cup. Yeah, and I remember we were talking about um, getting the prototypes together. And it, um, it took a little bit of trial and error, didn't it, to, to get it happening? Yes, it did. So it started um, back in my uh, apartment kitchen. Yes. Many late nights and um, many Me- bottles of wine trying to <laughs> trying to get a cup that um, would hold together with the coffee in it. And, um, yeah, we finally got it and we proved that, that it was a solution that would actually work. So after many stained floors and, um, <laughs> and uh, replacements of carpet. So what? What was the starting point for that? What did the kitchen look like to begin with, the, the very first attempts? Well, we, we had to find something that we could make something of a cup shape. So we looked on online and found something on eBay, I think it was, that was like a waffle cup maker, so sort of like a toasty machine, but it makes uh, oh, right. yeah, that waffle makes sense. cups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't perfect, and it's, it's funny to look back at it now that we have our machine. 
<laughs> um, in place because, um, yeah, it, it made these little cuts. But it was really good to be able to test the concept. Yeah. And they, you know what, I really, they smell delicious. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Have you had a smell of yours? Oh, that No, the one without the chocolate, because yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but the one without, that smells yeah, really nice. Absolutely. And also... It would really work that um, it complement. I can imagine that really, really complementing coffee. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. um, when you finish your drink, it's like a biscuit you dipped in coffee and it's very delicious to eat. Yes, it is. Do you eat as you go? Like, I suppose you could. Or do you wait till you're done with your coffee and then you... That's a very tricky question. You, don't, you, wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't want to peak too early because otherwise you end exactly. up with a coffee all over your collar. I like a challenge. Yes, yes. <laughs> And um, and how many places have taken up this this challenge of yours to uh, to have it in, within the market? So we're over fifty outlets in Australia now. Over fifty is, now. Yeah, which is really amazing. Uh, and we're across five states. Yeah. So yeah, really exciting. What, tell us a little. What's the barrier to entry on in that respect? Is the are retailers open to it? Or have you found you've had to do a little bit more muscling in? So we have been very lucky. Like stando like... the tickets. <laughs> stand up. That's exactly yeah. what I meant. Nice yeah, cafe you got here. <laughs> Shame if something should happen to it. No, you haven't done that, have you? No. Majority of our customers that they have come to us because they find the product very interesting and very sustainable. Mm. However, the main barrier to the market is uh, the price point because this is much Still. more expensive than yeah. uh, the normal disposable coffee that cafes are used to buy. Uh, however, we are a small production. We have big plans to scale up our production and reduce the cost per unit. But at the moment, the cafes that they really want to be sustainable, they are, are fantastic partners, and we see more and more they are coming on board. So this is a real thing of um, like-minded individuals coming together and say, look, we see your vision, um, and we will assist you with this so that we can all grow together with this so you can get to the the the, the point where um, you can get a plant happening that can bring down the cost. Is that sort of what the strategy is, medium Absolutely. term? That's and exactly right. at the moment, um, I hate to ask the sorry, you know, the the quanto question, you know, the the value or the cost of everything. But um, what is the unit cost at the moment? Looking at each other. <laughs> Who wants to yeah. do this? Who wants to answer that? Yeah. So um, for our wholesale price, that's yes. for cafes, yes. uh, it's $1.25 per cup. Oh, okay. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's what, good. What the cafes usually do is that they position it like alternative milk. So they put a surcharge on the coffee, mm-hmm. yes. um, 50 cents or a dollar, and then that means that they can um, get back some of that uh, extra cost. That's generous and that's good. That's really, really good. Um, do you want to mention a couple of your hero cafes that are doing this where people can try these things, say, around Melbourne? Uh, the main cafe that they, uh, they are working with us is Puzzle Coffee in CBD. It's a very um, uh, unique, new setup uh, type of cafe, um, mm. and their focus is basically on really good coffee and uh, uh, also sustainability. So they have even a co- compost bin there. So they, from the day they started, they started working with us, and it has been very great adoption uh, for their customers as well. The other cafe is Veneziano, 
um, in Richmond. So nice. uh, really, we are very happy with the partnership and uh, they, they are very generous about the way they are positioning the cup. We have a few other cafes like Soul and Soul, uh, Hello Sailor around Melbourne. So um, as we said, there are, um, the list is getting, growing and we are very happy about it. Oh, look, I reckon this is just um, a beauty. And um, before we go, um, you've got this, uh, the innovation, uh, which has been to uh, get the coffee cup and and dip it in some chocolate. Um, Dark chocolate? Yeah, it is. So it's dark chocolate, and that means that it's vegan-friendly. Yes. So the whole cup is um, vegan Mm. as well. And, yes, it's a very exciting recent development, um, we've just launched that within the last month, and those are available online on our website. I reckon this is good, and this will be probably great for um, people in the domestic market that uh, might want to put in. Can we do shopping bag? Yep, there we go. We can put in postal orders. You can order online. These will be sent to you. Um, I reckon kids would go crazy for this if you put ice cream in here. Maybe not the affogato with the booze because we don't want the kids falling over, do we? No, best not. Best, best, best not. We can tell you we've done very good te- thorough testing on, on putting ice cream into the cups and it's Have delicious. Okay. <laughs> Above and beyond the call of duty, yes. Yeah. All right, so it is called the Eddie Cup and that is with a D, uh, Eddie, a good Eddie.com. Um, Elizabeth Aranio, congratulations on uh, doing what you're doing and... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really really great idea, and you can um, get behind it. Thank awesome. you, very thank much. you so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, what do you reckon, Kent? A little bit of music, and then after that, we will go to market. Yes, yes. Triple yeah. R. All right, John, we're going, and uh, you started this whole thing with this uh, look in your eye, and you said, uh, "I want to give you a hard time." I'm going to give you a hard time. Whoa, okay, we're, whoa. we're standing here. First of all, I'm going to give you a hard time because there's no sunshine yet. And normally when you yeah, turn up, the sun comes out and it's yeah. glorious. And um, right. But it's a little bit overcast, but it's still beautiful morning in Melbourne. What do you do? It's calm. And, it's sort and of like it feels like it's going to be June. Definitely. And yeah. the vapours from the coffee machine are coming our way. Yeah. And beautiful black espresso just came up. So even though I'm in trouble, I'm still going to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, you're lucky. It's a lucky right. country, mate. How lucky. many times do I have to tell you uh, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm learning slowly. All right. So, so happy Mother's Day, everybody. Yeah, happy Mother's Day to the mothers. Yes, to the mothers and yeah. the others. And I hope you have a good day. And what did you do for, uh, for, for your wife, Joey? What did you do for your, for your mum? Um... Nothing. Set a grin on his face. He'll go home and maybe, maybe he'll wish a happy Mother's Day and give her a hug and a kiss. Well, I hope so. Um, I, I bought my 88-year-old mother a leaf blow-up. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? That's the most ridiculous. That's, that's just such a vision of Nancy with a, with a leaf blow-up. What colour was it? Uh, black and red. Hey, you know, okay, so Essendon. Yeah, Essendon <laughs> colours, but she's not into the footy. But okay. she said to me a month ago, she said, "Oh, listen, um, a friend of mine's got a leaf blower." And I said, "Nah, they, they only last 13 minutes." Because yeah. I'd looked at one and it said on uh, um, the box that it had a small battery on it. Yes. And then when I went there, I found that you could buy it without the battery and buy a bigger battery. Yeah. So it was worth buying. Yeah. So I bought her one, and, and it's going to be a, a shock and a surprise, and, and she'll be happy as well. Yeah, not so much as the neighbours. 
Well, they're not real out because she's got a fig tree that sheds and a persimmon tree that sheds. Yeah. The macadamia is good. That that only drops the nuts down onto the ground. Wow. But lately, the uh, possums and maybe even the uh, fruit bats been eating them. Sounds like a bucolic paradise. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Of course, it is. What do you think? We're Italians. Yeah. yeah. Now I haven't started to give you a hard time yet, so let's get in. You them. haven't started. I haven't started, mate. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> Definitely, we've changed seasons, haven't we? You've changed. No, no. <laughs> you didn't do this before. <laughs> what? Because it gave you a warning in advance. Yeah. Oh, mate. You're yeah, exactly. Winner. Usually, you just hit me on the head with a hammer. Yeah. Um, right. well, first no. of all, let's acknowledge that um, someone's flicked the switch. Um, it f- does feel like the start of winter now, doesn't it? I'm really looking forward to it, but I think we're going to yeah. have a cold, um, cold brisk one. winter. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll deal with Good it. Good for mushrooms. Like oh, definitely. It's going to be a great mushroom winter, yes. I'm feeling. Yes, I hope so. Now, and the first thing that I grabbed, because I looked at it and I saw it, and uh, and you asked and confirmed me, so at least I'm not in trouble for that, uh, you said you got the rapé? Yes, this uh, is... And I went, um, yeah, I got the rapé. Chima de rapa, which is Italian. Chima de rapa. What what is this stuff we've got? It's um, a very leafy thing. It looks like a turnip top, actually. Yeah. But uh, it's an Italian broccoli, and it's a bitter. Yeah. Now, what we do, because this is commercially grown, it's a little bit sweeter, um, the the stuff you grow at home can be very, very bitter. And my grandmother used to grow it near the manure pit. It'd get all the runoff from the manure. Yeah, it's and full you of get iron, this, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. And it's good for you because oh, yeah. it's good for the stomach. Yeah. Good, good for the... Um, um, for the guts. For the gut. Yeah. So that's why they used to eat it. Now, there are a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, some people chop it and throw it into the fry pan with a bit of hot olive oil and throw the lid on top. That's called stufato, which means you're choking it. Stufato. Yeah, it's a beautiful word, it's a isn't it? Great word, yeah. Um, I hate it like that because it comes up strong. Yeah. Yeah. So we boil it in plenty of water. Yeah. Now, if you're good, like my PE instructor used to say, when you boil cabbage, chuck the cabbage. What was his drink. name again? I can't remember. No, I've got a, you've, I've brought, lost you've brought him it. up a few Frank. times. Anyway, and what did he say? You drink the goddamn water. Drink the water or boil your ice in it, because that's what we do when we make corned beef and cabbage. Yeah, yeah. All right, we make a pilaf with that. We put the rice in it, yeah. and 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 that way you get all the nutrients. You haven't thrown anything out. Absolutely. So when you boil it, not too long, so it doesn't go too mushy. You pull it out. You put just a dash of vinegar if you really want to, or just a, a little bit of olive oil and garlic. Serve it beside a steak. Really beautiful lunch uh, or dinner like that, you know, steak and, and the rapa. Mm. Some people call it rabe. I saw there was um, a show on the other night. I didn't see the show, but the, the shorts said, said rabe, R-A-B-E, but we call it rapa. Yeah, OK, can I just uh, go back in case people were half awake, like maybe I am? So the first thing is you, you put it olive oil, Fry it, you've chopped it. Well, hang on, let, let's start again. See, the stems here look very coarse, so you peel the stem back, because sometimes the stems can be as thick as your thumb. Yeah, okay. So you peel back all the hard bits like you do on a broccoli stem, mm. and then you can chop it, mm. and fry and, it in. And then you throw it in with the olive oil. And garlic. Fry it up. And with, chili, uh, a if bit you like. And chili, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm hip to that. And then you, you add a little bit of water to get the steam up, or you just cover it and choke it down? You can do either, yeah. whatever, whatever turns I'd pro- you on. I'd probably put maybe 30 ml of water just to get the... <laughs> and then close it down. That's called stufado. Yes, OK. See. OK, then the other way you can just boil the hell out of it. No, no, no. No, no, no not sorry. No, stop. Take it easy. Hey, hey, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't know you were so sensitive. Yeah. 
Okay. You've got to get it right, mate. Yeah, okay. So then you boil it briskly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when it's just soft. Soft, okay. And then you serve it, and that's magnificent because it's not as bitter. Good. That's right. All, right. The, all the sharpness has come into the water. Save the water. And save the water. Okay, all right. Yep. So... That's the beauty of it. We know the season's changed. Um, the stuff in the garden's probably a little bit behind these. These guys would have planted them early. They would have given them TLC every day. Yeah. Um, if you look in the middle of the bunch there, you see a head like uh, an like actual little, broccoli. Like broccoli yeah. That's when it's at the best. It's got those heads in it. <laughs> uh, not too big. Not too big. A lot of people don't like cooking the leaves, the big leaves, but these leaves are very, very tender. Mm. Later on, they'll get a little bit coarser, so then you, you might ditch them or put them into a stock or something. Um, but yeah, try it. Um, I like it. Joey likes it. My I'm cousin. Ta- I'm taking that home. You're welcome. Thank you. My cousin's made in Italy. He hates it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So different strokes for different folks. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. Okay, we'll put that away to the that, side. That was the easy bit. Yeah, that was an easy bit. Then we can put that back in the box. Yeah. Boom. And, and there we go. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we're doing the red things we've got now. Two so red we've things. Yeah, yeah, red things. Yeah, read my mind. Yep. Um, one is a radicchio. It looks like a mini red cabbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this again is a bitter as well. Very good for the stomach and gut culture. Love it. We say to people if you find it very strong, which some people do, you chop it, put it in a bowl of water for five minutes, all that sharpness will come out. And it's amazing how much comes out. It is. Because yeah. then when you put it into your salad, all you get is that beautiful red colour and the crispness of it mm. and the flavour, of course. Yep. So try that. You can yep. get a small one and try it. You remember my favourite salad? Uh, tell me. I've got with, uh, Sunday, with, with the red onions. Oh, so red yes, onion, yes, yes. good olive oil, sherry vinaigrette for yes. sharpness, and then to temper all that... Some lovely orange segments. Oh, that sounds good. It's very and, Sicilian. And what a lot of people do is they open it up and throw a hot steak on top and it wilts it down. Yep. Or you can even wilt it under the gorilla and uh, have it like that. It's amazing what you can do with it. You can also uh, fry it really, really hard and whack it in a risotto. Yeah, I've That's yet, more the Trevizzo. I've, I've yet to try that. I've got to do it. It's good. And, Red and, wine. And, and, and you use, um, instead of using white wine to deglaze, you use red wine. And it's, yeah, good. And another thing that's getting forgotten, which is rather tragic, the humble beetroot. Mm. Now, this is um, the size of an orange. It's beautiful to great raw. Very hard. A bit of orange juice and lemon juice and um, uh, a few raisins. That comes from your mob, doesn't it? Which of my mob? Well, I'm all the, over the joint. The Russians and the Baltic and yeah, the, you, yeah, you gypsies and, you know. It's, it's funny. When people used to ask me before, they'd say, well, what nationality was your mum? And I'd sort of go, oh, she was Russian because she was part of the World War II Soviet thing uh, with things that are going on now. Um, she's uh, Ukrainsky because she was born in Haikov. Yeah, yeah. Rather, rather and, tragic, and you know, And you know, I'm, I brought that out is that for the Ukrainians, I don't know, just to think about that, I'm going to be making some borscht. Beautiful. It's amazing what you can do with beetroot. Like I said, you can have it in a salad, grated raw. Um, I love it boiled, sliced and into a sandwich or a hamburger Mm. or even beside a steak. Yeah. So many things you can do with it. What do a lot of people do? They get a can and they open it. Ah! You don't know how much trouble I got when I saw my wife do that. Really? Oh, yes, mate. Never did it again. Oh, wow. (laughs) The foot came down. (laughs) Yes, the foot came down. Mostly because it gets to that sickly sweet, and secondly, the texture is awful. Well, 
Personally. Dis- yeah. I, 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 look, I'll be rude and honest and say that I rather like canned beetroot. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're desperate or you're going on a picnic, it's easy to hope on one when you're out there. But it does have a lot of sugar in it. Yeah. All right? All right. Um, now, let's move on. Left. This is where I'm going to give you a hard time. Right? Oh, great. Now, we've we definitely moved into different seasons, and I've brought out yeah. some fennel. Now, even though we've got fennel all year round, mm. this is the old traditional variety. You've got two different types. Two, what? two different One looks like a, a pregnant woman. The other one looks like a bloke. Wow, yeah, you're ahead of me, aren't you? Hey, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Now, the Italians... This is it. We're simpatico, John. Yeah. Maybe we'll stop. Oh, OK. Hang on. Just, just hang on for a second. All right, then. So what are the differences? All right. So you, you're a little bit ahead of me because yeah. I've probably given you a hard time about this before. Right. Now, the Italians sex everything. There's male or female. Oh, all right? Good. OK. Yes. So the big, round, voluptuous ones are female. Mm. A little bit sweeter. Mm. Um, softer texture. Yes. You can eat it or cook it. Mm. And this one is a flat one. It's it, You can see it looks like someone stood on it. Yep. That's now, that swelling. Yeah. Um, now, mostly, without being rude, the Greeks like to cook these ones because they're stronger, okay. coarser. Yeah. When you cook them, they don't fall to bits. Oh, good. All right? I was worried where you were going with that. <laughs> yes. Take it easy, mate. Right. Sunday easy. and Mother's Day. And Mother's Day. So... You know, again, different strokes for different folks. We mm. don't eat the flat ones. We only eat the round ones. Really? We very rarely cook it, but there are so many ways you can cook fennel. I love cooking fennel. I, I like it the Sicilian way where you slice it and then parboil it. You don't have to really parboil it if you don't want to. Mm. Then you uh, egg it and crumb it and then either fry it or layer it in a, a pan and put it into the oven. And you can do uh, fennel, onion... A yeah. little bit of tomato, yeah. olive oil, breadcrumbs mm. and garlic and parsley and that into yeah. the oven. Comes up a treat. Yeah. Um, the fronds, people use um, the leaves for their fish or their soup or their stocks, whatever. Um, yeah, so, you know, buy fennel and try it. Um, it's very good to cleanse the palate. If you've had a very big meal like sometimes we do when I'm home on a Sunday, you know, you'll have um, a bit of salami and prosciutto and bread and cheese and then you'll have a big plate of pasta and then you'll have red meat. Yeah, now we and, eat. And, yeah, and yeah. now we eat, you know, and then all the other things come out. Yeah. And then you feel as full as a gorg and, um, you know, your mouth's a little bit heavy, so you have a little bit of fennel. Mm. Now you either slice it and put olive oil and vinegar on it and salt or you just have it plain. Mm. And when the old boys were playing cards, mate, they'd have it just sliced with a little bit of salt on top. Yep. And then that comes the beer and the wine. Hey, that sounds good. And this is another one that I reckon, actually maybe, well, either one. Um, Take them both. Goes, goes well with oranges. Oh, definitely. Uh, especially if you've got a blood orange, mate. Yeah. Blood orange, sliced fennel, mm. good olive oil, good, olive oil, good a bread. A little bit of salt. Uh, yeah, a little bit of salt. Oh. Mate, the possibilities are endless, as yeah. usual. I might even become an honorary Italian one day. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, with that being said, we can make you an honorary wog boy. Yeah, easy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there one day. Still got, <laughs> still got a way to go. I know, I know, mate. Uh, listen, mate, in 200 years, the country's changed. The tastes have changed. Yeah. No more bangers and mash. My, my grandfather was a good one even to do curried sausages, mate, and we still love it, but mm. my kids don't like it, so I don't get it. Really? It's tragic, mate. Hey, more curried sausages. Yeah. Oh gosh. Here, let me um, let's do the uh, let's do more red things while we're here because we've got two different types of red capsicum. Uh, one is the um, it's the same thing. We're in a bit of a 
One is voluptuous and rounded and beautiful and fleshy. Um, the other one is a little bit more pointed, but it still has a magnificent colour. Look at that green calyx on the yes, top. Yes, definitely. That is in such good nick. All right, which one, sweater? Um, um, shit, um, that one. <laughs> Wrong. Bang! I put up the, I put up the voluptuous one. Uh, right, now it's t- the, I'll tell you the it's difference. It's the thinner one, the sweater. This thinner one came out of South Australia. Mm. It's a different variety. Yep. Don't get me wrong, they're both beautiful. Yep. This one, uh, a little bit thinner flesh, mm. and more sugar, yep. less acid, yep. better for some. I sometimes can't always eat the uh, other thicker flesh, crunchy ones from Queensland because they're not? a little bit higher in acid. Oh, the acid, the, um, the yeah. same of the tomatoes we've used. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you get the bullhorn, which you didn't bring me one. No, um, they're the, sweet as. They are as sweet as. Mm. Um, they're a little bit thicker flesh, a little bit crunchier, more sugar. Yep. Uh, a lot of people love them because they're easy to grill. <laughs> this, this one you brought me is small. It's about the diameter of uh, an orange, but long, longer and thin. Uh, these we buy because people love to stuff them. They either stuff them with a rice mix or a, a breadcrumb mix like we do at home. Um, the perfect breadcrumb mix. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if not, they're also beautiful to eat raw. You know what else I want to do? One of these, because I haven't had a capsicum in the house for a while. I've got a jar of the um, the Hoyts um, green chilies, Small green chilies pickled. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a thing that's around the restaurants that's been um, going around. I think Andy... Uh, no. Um, Ballerina was uh, the first one to do it that I've seen. A thing called a gilda, it's called. Where you get a really long toothpick and you put on a little bit of anchovy, a little bit of the pickle, a little bit of the cooked capsicum, and you just, just as before you eat, you just go... And you go... And all these textures and... Big flavours collide together and you go, wow, and you have a big sip of wine and life's good. Do you but remember what they used to do in the 60s and 70s with a toothpick? <laughs> the oh, old pickle, pickle onion, tasty cheese. Oh, the traffic lights. <laughs> well, there was traffic lights and there was, was there the, the devils on horseback. Yeah. Diablo on chevaux. And do you remember they used to stick them into a uh, grapefruit? On the table? Oh, or weren't you that fancy? Oh, come oh on. yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. A bit of cabana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No worries. Is it, isn't it amazing how, how things is. evoke good memories? And uh, and the cream cheese with the packet of um, uh, uh, onion soup mix in it mixed oh, up as don't, dip. Don't say that to Joe. Joe hates it. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> he, he thinks we're crazy if we do things like that. Yeah, that, that was a bit full on. And maybe some of the things are best left in the rear vision mirror, yeah, shall we say. Yeah, it was good. It was good, you know, to do something different. And, and well, it brightened up the table. And it was a flavour bomb. And it was a flavour bomb. It was. It was a, like, you know, we talk about these days, we talk about umami bombs and glutamate bombs, but that was something like, yeah, they're all over that in the 60s. It was just. Um, but that's what we know, had packets back then, of you stuff know? in MSG. Yeah. yeah. So um, what, I've got two more green things in there. Uh, one is um, cucumbers, which are, unfortunately have. Uh, this a Lebanese cucumber, about the size of my hand span from wrist to index finger. Quite thick, actually. Um, but they're, um, they've gotten pretty expensive, and they're 10 bucks. They have because of the weather. Um, yep. When it's cold, you know, we can control something, but not everything. You know, they still get cold, so mm. the flowers don't come on properly. So there's not much fruit, not much fruit, not much produce. Mm. Price goes up. 
later on um, when they get into another crop there'll be an abundance and they'll come down again. Okay, just so wait. you know this is not uh, inflation or um, you know it, it's supply and demand. It's so. not the end of the world. That's right. It's because not the end and of the world. that is the thing. And and we oh well, let's talk about this. Oh, we might get on back onto that. Uh, I wanted to compliment you on I don't know where you found these, um, but I've got a zucchini which is smaller than the cucumber, and this time of the year that is an unusual thing. This looks like. A, a late springtime zucchini it does, to me. It does. And where the hell did you get this? This um, must come from far away. Actually, I'm I, guessing I, I think they may have come out of the a greenhouse um, somewhere outside side of Mildura. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you, you are right. I was very lucky to get them because <coughs> um, most times these days um, they they bring the zucchini out and they're very big, like an old Frankfurt, if you can remember them. Yeah. They're not a zucchini. But, they become a uh, marrow. But that's what a lot of people want. They don't understand that a smaller zucchini has grown overnight. Yesterday morning it may have only been a couple of centimetres long. The next day they're four or five, mm. up to ten centimetres long. And they're beautiful and they're young and they're sweeter. Um, and they also have that aroma. They do. And when, you, and when you fry them, oh my God. And if you want to get old style, a young zucchini like that, you could marinate it and eat it raw. Yeah. Uh, or you can go and do a lot, a lot of different things with a humble zucchini. Mm. Blue cheese sauce. Yeah, I don't want to put on too much weight, mate. <laughs> uh, that's a good idea. No, you actually both of us. Look at us. But um, Wait, okay, no, no blue cheese sauce for us. I, I do like to get naughty and say, please, can you um, crumb them and fry them for me? Yeah, that's uh, the blue cheese sauce. Is a bit of an American thing. I don't know why. I haven't had blue cheese sauce for a very long time. You've got to do different things at different yeah. times to, to spice it up. What were you talking about up. before? Sorry, I just, interrupt just, you. Just to uh, egg it, crumb it and fry it. Yeah. And that we do with the big zucchini as well. So um, especially if they're big, instead of cutting it long ways, we cut uh, like a crisp. Oh, yeah, across little, little, yeah. little, little and, discs. And um, that, oh, that yeah. you do more in the middle of summer when they've, they've grown very quickly so they're still um, tender even though they're big. Because yeah. later on, when they, they grow slow, they seem to be more coarse and the seeds are harder and things like that. The other thing you can do to them, you can dice them and then you salt them a little bit, right? So just a little bit of the... Uh, it draws out some of the moisture. Then you dry them in tea towels and then you sort of flour them and then you fry them really, really quickly so they become really, really crisp. Mm. And then you can use it as a little garnish on a pasta. Don't worry about a garnish. Sounds like it could go beside a nice bit of um, steak, steak, or uh, even with a salad. Who knows? Piece of fish. Yeah, piece of fish. Piece of chicken. Where some lovely fish. Or um, or just part of a vegetarian plate. Yeah, well, we had a couple of veggie nights. We had a couple of vegetarian nights this week because Franco mm. said, you know, you're eating too much. So yeah. All right, so um, we're, we're going to wrap up by the looks I, I think we could because we, we've been <laughs> we've been having a good chat, and, and as always. The time flies when you're having fun and we're, you're giving me a hard time. I'm a bit disappointed. I thought you were giving me a bit more of a hard time. Oh, come but on. Yeah, no, I, was, I thought you had more. I really did. All right, let's look around. Uh, the mandarins are in three bucks. We've got to um, oh, yeah. uh, I've acknowledge had those. Two or three different varieties of mandarins. Mm. Um, because I was on holidays and I'd run out of fruit, I went and bought some mandarins from the supermarket and they were very nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there's quite a few varieties out there. Choose the one you like, buy some, enjoy them. There, there's an abundance of everything. Um, only the greens are a little bit dearer. 
Um, but these beautiful bananas over there, what have they got? $3, they're riper. Yep. $4 for Greeno, the sugar bananas. Yep. There's an abundance of local apples. Um, I'm going to grab some Granny Smith. I think we might have stewed apples and ice cream one night this week. No, I'm going to do a crumble this week. Yeah, good. Bring yeah. me a bit. All right. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, and you know what? Just as a, just as a general thing, we're talking about the scariness of inflation. We're talking about, you know... Things are a little bit crook, um, but looking around the market, I've got to say the, the prices are holding really, really nicely at the moment. Um, yeah. I'm noticing okra is down to 10 bucks. Yes, yes. Uh, that's one thing that I, I do notice. Uh, Nashi pears are, are good. Oh, passion fruit, five for $2. Oh, I had one, a huge one big. yesterday. It looked like a Panama, but it was just a normal one that was huge. Yeah. And it was just so full. I, I bit it open, and a lot of people don't bite them, but I like to. Yeah. Um, because of the bitterness of the skin. Crazy. And squeezed it all into my mouth. I was in heaven, mate. Yeah. I wished I had a bottle of lemonade. Yeah. Make yes. my own passiano. Yeah, it sounds good. But uh, what I was going to say is because we are Victorians, we are blessed, mm. we grow most of the stuff ourselves, mm. and it's local, it's brought straight to market, yeah. not as expensive to ship it to Queensland and places like that. No. And we get first pick. Yeah, and plus you... Yes, I was going to say something political, but I won't. Uh, John, love your work. Great to chat. Thank you for the coffee. Um, and I'm looking forward to cooking up that rapper, uh, maybe in a stifado. Yeah, you'll be peaking. You'll be full of energy and vitamins and minerals and a body also. Woo! Thank you. Might have to get a cape. All right. Yeah. See you, buddy. Take care. Have a beautiful Mother's Day. Triple R. On FM, digital, online, and via the app. 12.46 here on 3 Triple R FM. How's your afternoon going, everyone? Are you snuggled up? Are you out driving around? Well, whatever you're doing, thank you for asking us to come along. My name's Cam. We've got Kent here. Uh, we have been talking about edible coffee cups. We've just had a long market report. And um, we thought we'd sort of riff on an idea that um, that both of us agree should be more a part of uh, Australian cuisine and their repertoire. And, of course, Kent, I speak of... Okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love me a okonomiyaki. Uh, yeah, look, God, me too. Um, maybe the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that... Uh, a lot of the stuff that's in Bain-Marie containers, maybe next oh. to railway stations, perhaps, Spencer Street and Flinders Street Station. Uh, food courts and train station, Okonomiyaki, is... No Vile. Wonder, no wonder Okonomiyaki's not more popular, because I think most people's exposure to it is mm-hmm. those Bain-Marie Okonomiyakis. And, and those uh, Okonomiyakis, even though they have a vague halo of nutrition to them... <laughs> Um, also will sit in your stomach like a brick. I th- would I that think be a, a fair assessment? I often think that one of the worst things you could do uh, between Melbourne and Geelong would be to eat an Okonomiyaki from Spencer Street Station. Yes. <laughs> By the time you get Geelong, so you might be a bit backed up. You, you arrive flat. Um, but it's, uh, it's a dish, even though uh, it goes back to the Edo period, the main sort of growth of this dish was... Uh, you were, t- you were telling me, uh, and uh, amazed me, it was actually pre-World War. 
Yeah, yeah. So it hasn't been around forever. So, you know, mm. depending on definitions of things, you wouldn't necessarily call it traditional, you know. Mm. Not in the way we think of some other Japanese food like mm. sushi and sashimi. But um, it, it's like a lot of recipes out of Europe, for example. They come out of scarcity or hard times. And in this case, it was, um, first of all, I guess it's first uh, real time in the sun was just was just after the Kanto earthquake which is early 20s 23 I think 1923 and when you talk about the Kanto earthquake is that a place or is that okay yeah so Kanto is a geographical region centering around um Tokyo Tokyo so um Osaka is Kansai or Kinki yeah so when Tokyo got all shook up yeah. And everything came down. Rice supplies were a bit tough, so wheat yes. wheat was substituted yes. in a lot of lot of meals. Hence um the foundational ingredients of, of Okonomiyaki, really nothing more than wheat, water and cabbage. Cabbage. Uh, we want uh, we need something that's cheap. And uh yeah, and that is a surprising thing for uh an Asian nation to be embracing um a more European stable. And it also makes sense for post-war mm. uh, with um, – Marshall Plan was more Europe, wasn't it? But it was, uh, yeah, Europe, uh, yeah. the deal that was made with uh, uh, Japan to – well, to get it back up on its feet, there was huge deprivations, but a lot of flour came in. Yeah. Did yeah. it not? So, yeah, the US started um, um, sending a lot of flour in that post-war period. Yeah. It was all part of that um, redevelopment and trade – Opening, yes. yeah, and the uh, and the Japanese getting very inventive with it, and and also putting their own spin because uh, at its very very heart, um, okonomiyaki is um, is a batter, mm. uh, but instead of water being in the batter, we have dashi. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, people refer to, you know, to get people, um, you know, who may be less familiar with it, you know, a mind's eye picture, it's often referred to as a Japanese pancake or a Japanese pizza or a Japanese omelette or a Japanese crepe. Yeah, and all those things tick except it's a very thick crepe. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, so none of those work exactly. But the general idea in the way that we think of pizza toppings, you know, you can come up with all sorts of different pizza toppings. You know, you can come up with all sorts of things to do to an omelette. There's a foundational recipe, but you can then do, all sorts of things to it. And, and away you go. And as far as I see, there's also two very distinctive uh, approaches to it. Uh, one is where everything is mixed together. That's the Osaka or Osaka uh, dish. And then there's the Hiroshima, which is layered and also has noodles. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's right. The The main difference there is, is the noodles. Right? So there's no noodles yeah. in the Osaka version, but there is in the Hiroshima. Yeah. And as a, cons- as a consequence of the noodles, um, the Hiroshima uh, patty, you know, yes. the, the pancake uh, of, the, of Hiroshima is a lot thinner, mm. whereas in Osaka doesn't have the noodles and is a lot thicker and fluffier. Is like f- and fluffier. <laughs> so if we if we're going to do one criteria that you should be thinking of, fluffier is better. You want air in there, yeah, and um, yeah, you want to get away from our Spencer Street, Flinders Street, Okonomiyaki. Uh, which has no air in there at all. It's just a bit of claggy sort of nature. Discus. and uh, Yeah, discus. (laughs) You can throw that thing a mile. Um, And uh, that's probably 
as you are cooking it, as you are approaching it, that is one of the main criteria that I think you need to talk about. So how do we make it? Okay, so um, at its most fundamental, it's flour, cabbage, water, bonito flakes or bonito powder. And like it doesn't really that. matter what sort of cabbage because we could use a, a wampoor buck, uh, we could use a savoy, we could use a drumhead. Yep, you could use you could use any cabbage. You, you basically, the way you prepare the cabbage for it is to shred it. So I guess you use that as your benchmark. The, the cabbage mm-hmm. that you think has got a little bit of crunch in it that you can shred, then you can use that. Yeah. And if you're going to use a softer cabbage, maybe your pieces could be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. So yep. that's going into the... I think my, my bliss point for that is, uh, I've got to say, a Savoy cabbage. So that's the, the cabbage with the, the dimples in it because it's softer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes sweet. sense. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and an egg. An egg in there. Mm. Although for our vegan friends, you just use flax. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And yeah, it's, it's possible to make a really wicked... Wicked good uh, vegan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You were talking about the fluffiness. So we've just m- mentioned the basic. Um, some of that fluffiness comes with the addition of um, mountain sweet potato. Which is, yeah. Um, which is the thing that goes back to the dish from the Edo period too, yeah? Yama Emo, yeah. 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 And, it, and that can fluff things up. Um, you could also do baking powder. Um, in there, if you if you wanted to, careful. The the key is not you to pat, the key is not to pat it down. Yes, which is um, uh, a bitter lesson that I learned from my, <laughs> one of my first attempts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so from that, right? So that's your batter, mm. right? So that's your base batter. And then the only other things you now then need to think about is your uh, your sauce and your topping, right? And that's where the the variables, you know. Ma- your imagination is your only limits. Can I actually say one of the, the really important criteria is the gut rush. <laughs> the gut rush. Of flipping it over. Oh, I've, yeah, I've, the I've flipping. had disasters because, all right, when, yeah. I, when I first started off, I thought, yeah, come on, I've, I've, I've tossed pancakes and crepes and, you know, I know how to sauté, you know, coming from the European experience and working as a, you know, line cook and that. Um yeah, no, it doesn't really work well just flipping, uh, so like is... like as in you know flipping with the you know flipping a pan. But I think I have come up with uh, the the best way to do it. First of all, tell me um, how you how do you how do you get that thing over without uh, it being a disaster and ending up half of it on the floor. Look, you you want you want basically a flat hot plate, which you know Japanese call tepan. Some people might be familiar with tepanyaki. So anything you cook on a hot plate, tepan. you want. I want a lot of things. <laughs> I'd, I'd like a Rolls Royce in my driveway too. But I haven't <laughs> and, got one of those. And um, and if you've got a flat plate or or a really really shallow frying pan, then mm-hmm. th- that's your friend. And then a big wide spatula to flip, and maybe even two spatulas. So you come in at both ends and you flip them over that. Yeah, is probably most crucial. Most may I now go on? May I? If if you do not have these things, yeah, I think I've come up with the, with the best alternative, um, which is you get um, you you cook until you're happy on one side. You then get a spatula underneath it, and then slide it onto a warmed plate. Mm-hmm. You then turn over the frying pan, yep. and then cover it up, and then quickly. Whoop, Invert, yeah, and you have to be very confident yeah. when you do that, and not drunk, okay. So just that's a little word of warning, and I reckon that's one of the best ways to get it because if you do it the other way around, uh, the inversion, um, you, you 
you don't want to be sliding all those wet ingredients on the plate. I, I sure. think that works well. Yeah, anyway, over yeah. You. No, no, no. And, and that makes sense. And obviously we're talking about accommodating it in our own kitchens. Yep. Shall we take a quick last of our sponsor announcements and come back and just uh, talk about f- how you might finish off a Yeah, uh, let's a take this thing here. home and find out what's on top of it. Triple R. If you've just joined us, we're at the tail end of Eat It Up Here with Kent and we're talking... Uh, reminiscences of beautiful things past. We're talking about okonomiyaki, and uh, we've got the batter, and we're cooking it. We've tossed it. Uh, now we've got to work out the all-important toppings. Yeah. So, um, toppings. Oh, could I just go back one point because I just recently came across a uh, a batter addition that I have only recently just tried and oh. love it, and it's a combination of mochi and cheese. So mochi's a Japanese dessert. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and you put it in and it is uh, gooey and chewy and rich and yeah, definitely yeah. definitely not an everyday food. But yeah, to to the toppings. So the mm. sauce. The sauce has some basic fundamentals, right? It's it's Worcestershire. Yes. It's um soy. Um, it's uh, some kind of seaweed flake, so maybe wakame or arame or yes. uh, anori, um, and and something sweet. So um, I use maple syrup, but you could use honey or sugar or what have you. Did you mention like uh, the base is sort of part of that is tomato sauce as well? Oh, and ketchup, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So there you've got your sauce, and and, and, and there's recipes for that that are very very easy, and um, and there's some that you don't even have to get maple syrup; you can just use honey. Oh yeah, you can yep. use honey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you've got your sauce, and then it is typically finished with um, a, a mayo mm. and, um, and bonito flakes. Should be cupy. Yeah. Most people have cupy now. Oh, and I've really got to say that if there is one specialist in greeting you really should get, the great thing is the packets of these little sachets will keep forever, and we're talking about bonito flakes because oh, right. one of the wonderful things about this dish is the way that the uh, bonito flakes... Uh, maybe not if you're vegan or vegetarian, but um, they, you know, they just like wave around. In the, it's like it's almost alive. Mm. Yeah, good point about the vegan. So if, instead of using Worcestershire, you can get um, vegan uh, mushroom sauce or oyster yeah. sauce. Yeah, because oh, oh, yeah, because Worcestershire sauce is um, yeah. is really uh, anchovy sauce. Yeah. So yeah, there it is. That's uh, uh, okonomiyaki. The uh, the recipes are around. Uh, and also you can get away with one at home, um, but there are a few um, specialist ingredients. The other bit that we didn't mention were uh, some recipes called for tempura bits, which lightens it up. Yeah, yeah, another option for the toppings. But, yeah, you do that as a topping, not as part of the butter, batter, yeah. I reckon. But it's delicious. And uh, just for the record, in the last 10 seconds, my favourite is prawns and bacon. Yours? Yeah. Look, I reckon stay basic. Done. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.